To him who has loved us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So now you know why the red is out of church and throughout today. It's called what we do is transferring. We pull it to this actually falls tomorrow of St. John the Baptist. Now, there are a lot of what we call commemorations uh, for Christian martyrs. Only four, though, have noted festivals in the Lutheran service book. These martyrs all have a significant connection to Christ. So, the holy innocents, or babies, slaughtered at Bethlehem is a festival we can do right during Christmas. St. Stephen, who was stoned to death but also saw the ascended Lord in the clouds, is another one. And finally, St. James of Jerusalem, because he's the half-brother of Jesus. And yet, the fourth one, the baptizer, stands out as a martyr of martyrs. The crowd heard Jesus say this over his imprisonment. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Of course, Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, meant anything John did as the forerunner pointed to the promised Savior. And so last Sunday, if you can remember a little bit, because they do kind of connect together, it kind of actually helped us for today. Hebrews noted last week, the sprinkled blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You know, he was the first martyr in history killed over the gospel by his own brother. Last week, we also had the rite of confirmation. And it ended with that question as a reminder to every one of us. Do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession and church and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it? Martyrs were of the Old Testament and carry on now into these New Testament times. And so while it's easy to get lost in the traditions and stories of martyrdom, because there's lots, you can always count on John to keep us before Christ, whether in life or by his death. Now, repentance, you know, is always a call for death. But it fell back on John, as it does with all the martyrs. His ministry, as you know, it had no miracles. But up and down the Jordan, he baptized and preached remission of sins. And so when the leaders of Jerusalem came out to him, they faced sharp rebuke, because they would not be baptized. But when John went to Herod, he lost his head. 
The reason, as you know, was an adulterous marriage by Herod Antipas to his brother's wife, and Herod knew he was not in the right. This ruler still feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe, but clearly not safe enough. Unrepentance never is stagnant. And it led to corruption by way of lust. And it just happened to fall on his birthday. A birthday where you celebrate life and it ended with death. And it left Herod on his birthday in this entrapment by his sin to abuse his rightful authority and hide from his personal disgrace, his bad vows. Of course, as you know, the decapitation, the beheading of John was kept out of sight. It said it was done in the, the jail cell. So he kept it PG-13. We don't want to have the kids get all too worked up about it. We'll keep it back there. But his head was brought out to Herodias, and his body went with his disciples. The call of repentance demands a right way to hear the truth. But many no longer have room for such a death to our wickedness as sinners. And so, yeah, you know what? In the world today, Herodias' are very real. That deep vengeance that just wants to kill church, pastors, and everything that has to deal with it. But thin listening to God's preaching and trying to have your cake and eat it too is our Herod today. And this laxity finally brings blowback. It kind of builds up with vengeance. Death as when, for instance, you look back in history, it happened before the Nazis took over. And at that time, it finally led Norwegian Lutherans to have to confess the truth at their time. And so part of the confession by Norway pa pastors on Easter Sunday, how about that for Christ is risen, in 1942, they said these words from the pulpit. The church would be remiss in her duty of Christian upbringing if she silently observed a worldly authority arrange moral upbringing of children and people independent of Christian views. John did not die. If you notice in our text, he did not die for preaching Jesus' name. But marriage, as God's design for faithfulness. And so today, the way of Herod will not suffice or keep us safe much longer. Christians uphold marriage for a man and a woman, as we say, unto death, because beyond a moral law, some kind of, this is the good thing you're supposed to do, beyond all that is, the, is that marriage is the icon of love that points to Christ 
in his church. Even John knew Jesus was the bridegroom. And God's redeemed would be his bride. So be patient. For the truth of martyrs are not silent before the living Lord. The death of John was no misstep, but it did prepare the way of Jesus. Once at the Jordan, you know, he proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But now John, as a lamb being led to slaughter, he saw the course of what Christ would be as the ultimate perfect sacrifice. Certainly born of a priestly family, Zechariah, right? He knew the Psalms. And so maybe today the introit that we used would be a fitting prayer in those dark hours. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your namesake you lead me and guide me. And John was not going to get out of it. I think he knew that. We also know Jesus as Savior sent a special message back to John. It's recorded in Matthew. Excuse me, recorded in, in John. But it says here in Matthew 11, when, when John was in prison, he heard the promise and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And maybe when he heard the executioner's steps coming to his jail cell, the baptizer can confess one last time, even if for himself, or maybe some in the prison cell, but maybe one last time John said, those wonderful words in John chapter 3. He must increase. I must decrease. Herod's murder of John actually served a great purpose. It was a proclamation that Christ is Lord and Savior. While everyone was trying to decide in our text today over the ministry of Jesus, all his miracles, and what is this guy about, St. Mark leaves a great witness to the gospel for us. As you know, John was like Elijah in the prophets. But Herod's paranoia, his panicked answer about John risen from the dead, you know, it pointed to Jesus, the only one who would achieve such glory. And so by his suffering and death, Jesus was not just another martyr that Pilate sent to Herod over the issue of crucifixion. This is the same Herod who about a year later would have the bleeding Jesus before him. And you can only imagine Herod's going, Herod's going up, here's another one, another martyr, but it was much bigger than that, wasn't it? It was no execution hidden behind in a cell, cell chamber, but God's plan of a public spectacle over the sacrifice of his one and only son for sinners. Except after the disciples laid Jesus' body to rest, 
Three days later, it be, there was an empty tomb. And the devil's boasting over John that day when John's head was gone. The devil was rejoicing. But on the third day of Jesus' empty tomb, the devil was silent. In mocking church relics, now relics are the trinkets and things back in the Luther's time that you would get like good luck charms from, kind of like today the rabbit's foot. But having a martyr's finger or their, or their symbol of like John's uh, clothes, of camel's clothes, they'd be touting that stuff around for parishioners to buy and to, to find safety in those relics. But Luther, in mocking them, says these wonderful words. The lifeless finger of John was burned to ashes by pagans. And so in his time, people were selling literally fingers of John the baptizer, telling them this was his. But Luther says this. <clears throat> but his true living finger, that is his word and spirit we have, the same finger goes before us and directs us to the man of God who redeems us from sins, death, and the devil, and hell. Pastors are that finger to point you to Jesus. They are to point to you and tell you to die and live before the one who died and lives for us. Pastors keep pointing because of the word of John that gets you to Jesus. And so baptism martyred us to be witnesses both in life and even before death. As we note, increasing violence in society. I've heard this, especially from older ones. Oh, it's getting worse and more violent. And I would tell you, yes, you're right. And what did your baptism did to you in your water in the Word? What do you think is recalled when you come to church. And I would tell you, great violence was poured upon you by God that tore you out of a kingdom of this world to put you into a better kingdom that has come through the violence of Christ for sinners. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. It's a whole way that God will use us, not merely in life as we live, but even how we die and use our death. Martyrs, strictly speaking, make a confession unto death. But all Christians have a martyrdom where our words and lives honor the Lamb of God. And so that is belonging to a kingdom with saints who are united to the suffering and death and resurrection of Christ. And so since all Christians bear this witness, I tell you today, my brothers and sisters, because we bear this witness, it means all suffer from that witness. And this is the encroaching reality today before life in this land. It looks differently for pastors, for you who maybe are retired versus you who are working in the business world, for you who have families that maybe are more Lutheran and not less. 
but it all still comes with some kind of suffering, this witness to Christ. And yet our prayers are not only for relief and peace in our time, but join the martyrs who wait for justice. Did you get that? I was going to preach on Revelation today, but I'm like, I don't want them to hear that. But Revelation says all the martyrs are before the throne of God in heaven, and they're crying out, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? So when we get frustrated about injustice and angry over the things, we join the saints in heaven who say, no, wait, a God, wait upon God. His justice will be swift, quick, and calculated, not just for us, but for the salvation of those to repent and believe the gospel. So, to end, I have a, I've gardened for many years, plenty of years, since I've been a kid, baked from my mom and dad. But this year, the end is coming awfully fast, unlike I've seen in many, many years. My garden is shriveling up. Maybe it's from planting a bit early. Maybe it's because we lacked rain here in Indiana for some time. Maybe it's because of the amount of heat we've had. Maybe I'm just a bad gardener. Maybe the course belongs to God's care, as it does for his baptized who are to pay attention to the times. And so I leave you with the early church father, John Chrysostom, who says, Therefore, do not say, why was John allowed to die? For what occurred was not a death, but a crown. Not an end, but the beginning of a greater life. Learn to think and live like a Christian. You will not only remain unharmed by these events, but will reap the greatest benefits. The martyrdom of John, it's big, it's bloody, but whether in life or by death, I'll tell you today, you can count on John to keep you before Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Holy Spirit, amen. Rise confession morning. The word